2: Totally Football League show. A significant weekend at the bottom of the championship where it looks a long way to safety for Derby, Barnsley and Peterborough. Forrester up to third after they were the only side in the top eight to win. Crew are relegated from League One. And whilst it's crypto for Crawley, Kov proved to be kryptonite for Fulham. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Pam. We are again, then, gang. The first of our bi weekly delves into everything English Football League related. Joining me, Matt Davis Adams, are the winger turned tactical genius Adrian Clark. <laughs> bit
3: strong, bit strong with the genius, but um, I'll take it. Good to be along.
2: Yeah, I put the genius bit in terms of your tactical analysis rather than your wing play, which I thought was probably a little fairer. <laughs>
3: Let's just not go there. You're digging the hole now, mate.
2: <laughs> all right, I'll get out of it quickly. Uh, also with us, making a totally debut from Sky Sports, the EFL on Quest and Wales, it's Abigail Davis. Hiya.
4: Hello, thank you for having me. Now, I don't want to put too much pressure on myself, but I am hoping for a debut similar to Michu's for Swansea in 2012. So, you know, an assist and a couple of goals, and I think we'll be off to a flyer. All
2: right, weirdly, I've got a Michu-related question for you later. Uh, we'll get to that soon enough. First of all, today, we're heading for the Championship.
5: You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network.
2: In the Championship, the top two both failed to earn three points. Bournemouth were held at Bramall Lane. Fulham flopped against Coventry for the second time this season. With Huddersfield and Luton not in action till Monday, it was Forest 2 with the big winners in the playoff picture this weekend. Borough slipped to a shock home loss to Hull. Defeats for Derby and Barnsley leave them staring League one in the face. Whilst QPR's keeper woes continue, Kieran Westwood pulled up Lame in the warm-up at Preston, meaning Murphy Mahoney, what a name that is, he got a debut becoming Rangers' fifth keeper of the season. And now then, we all agree, Nottingham Forest are magic. Not just a chant, but a state of mind. The Reds are up to third and I'm getting all carried away. The latest win for Cooper's men coming against Birmingham at the world-famous city ground. Uh, Clarkie, you can bring me back down to earth a bit if you like. But I think the thing that really impressed me about this is three wins in a week, which is quite hard to do at this stage of the season, or any stage of the season, in fact. But Blackpool, Coventry, Birmingham, all bested. It's impressive it's um it's looking really good i
3: have to say it, it isn't easy in the championship to produce that level of consistency and and they're doing it at the moment the momentum is amazing and bournemouth are not convincing anyone are they 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 are wobbling so i i think that i think that it's possible i really do it it, it wouldn't wouldn't have seen that way when you watched Forest earlier on in this season, but it's some ride that Steve Cooper's taking the team on, and and it was a routine win without playing brilliantly. I think I'm right in saying, Matt, it wasn't wasn't awesome, but but defended well. Obviously, Keenan Davis again making the difference with some some great power pace. Lovely goal, wasn't it, from the angle? Another set piece goal. It's another aspect of the play that's really improved. For Forrest um, since Cooper took charge. And and you think everything's fallen into place. Even, even the Luton game, on paper anyway, that you get two, two days extra rest compared to Luton ahead of that. So so yeah, I, I think you've got every reason to, to be smiling. One thing that stood out to me here was um, the bench because you had, who do you have on the bench? Graben, Lolly and Surridge. These are three really good good players at championship level, and he took off the, the first choice front three altogether. I think on eighty one and put those guys on. That's that's a that's a a group of six players that that a lot of championship clubs would love to have. So yeah, it's um, all positives in the Nottingham Forest box at the moment.
2: Abigail, what's what's your view on what Steve Cooper's done? We, I presume, you were, I don't know, maybe disappointed when he left Swansea because obviously he got you to, to the playoff final, but also did maybe kind of feel like that had just run its course. Are you surprised with how well he's done since he since he moved?
4: I'm not at all surprised. I think, you know, the fan reaction at Swansea was understandable because whilst he was succeeding, we weren't playing the style of football that that Swansea fans have been accustomed to watching. So I completely understand their frustrations because at Swansea, it is about playing that possession-based football. It is about building from the back and we weren't doing that under Steve Cooper. And whilst he was largely getting the success it wasn't the way that that fans were used to seeing it, you know, grinding out one nil victories where you were playing long. So I'm not surprised to now see him succeeding somewhere else, but the way that he's done it, the speed in which he's turned things around, because I think whilst we all know how good a manager he is, I wasn't sure how good a man manager he was, which is something that he's really needed to, to be good at, to lift these players off the floor essentially and get them to where they are. So, Yeah, it's key, the mentality, the positivity, and ultimately not sending Brennan Johnson out on loan. Who knew that that would be such a key move, eh?
3: (laughs) Abigail, can I just butt in and ask you, um, post-match at Swansea, did Steve Cooper give it the big one? Did he go around punching the, the air and stuff like he does at city ground?
4: every single match and we (laughs) lapped it up i remember being in away ends all over the country and yeah you lap it up um and similarly russell martin does it now as well so um he's taken it a step further actually russell martin he'll walk across the pitch pre-match to the away end and salute the fans which he actually did at the Cardiff City Stadium two weeks ago which went down as you'd expect so yeah he did exactly the same at Swansea and and I think it's fantastic it really gets everyone together doesn't it
2: Certainly does. So Forrest go to Luton on Good Friday. They've still got to go away to Fulham and Bournemouth as well. So plenty of work to do. Uh, I tell you what, as we were talking about Swansea there, let's go to them next. Looking precarious for Derby County after another defeat left them, staring League One in the face. This was 2-1 at Swansea. Uh, Wayne Rooney took it well, though. He got robbed at the end, um, referee again.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know what else to say it's a clear penalty. Um, and then he stops the game when we've got a free kick right on the edge of the box. So it's just not good enough um, and I'm sick of saying it every week. Now let's start
2: with Swansea then, Abby, as this is your specialist subject and this is where my Michu question comes in. Is, is Joel Perot the new Michu? I mean, is it is it one great season and then it, then it dips a bit or are you even going to be able to keep him for next season because he's been amazing and surely people higher up the food chain are going to be looking...
4: Yeah, you mentioned Michu and Joel Piro has now become the seventh Swansea player to reach 20 goals in a season since the move to the Liberty Stadium. So he's up there with Michu, Sinclair, McBurney, Jason Scotland, Wilfred Boney and the Lord himself, Mr Lee Trundle. But yeah, keeping hold of him will be one thing. I think with Michu, we weren't aware or we certainly weren't expecting when players found out how to deal with him he really struggled to adapt to that I think it's fair to say at times in the Premier League so it's impossible to know whether Joel Pirro will be able to do that but he's so much more than some people give him credit for he's not a goal poacher his movement off the ball is absolutely superb his willingness to drop deep to, to pick up the ball and every finish because this is how I like to spend my spare time I watched every finish back last night And it just looked effortless. You know, he has more finesse in one of his goals than there has been in the entirety of my life. It's incredible what he can do. But I know we were going to talk about, you know, his contribution being important, which it it is. But with this style of play that Swansea play with and every successful Swansea side that has, has played this way, it has to be a collective effort. There has to be that cohesion and there has to be the partnerships within the eleven, which is what we're now starting to see because he and Obafemi link up really well. Then he's also got an understanding with Jamie Patterson. When Jamie Patterson was out of the side for a few weeks, when he was dealing with issues off the field, you know, you really miss his vision, his precision in his passing and his link-up place. So you now have all of these pieces to the puzzle that are starting to understand each other. And I think... A lot of the com- the complaints about the way Swansea were playing at the start of the season was, you know, we take it back to Steve Cooper. And yes, we were grinding out results, but we weren't playing the way that, that Swans fans wanted them to. Now, it, be, it was quite easy initially to, you know, control games or to have those sustained periods of, of possession. But it's when you're in those advanced areas and you're trying to link up in the final third, that's what's taken a little bit longer because, you know, fans were saying you've got 70% possession, but one shot on target. That takes time to get that cohesion. And now we're starting to to reap the rewards of that.
2: Yeah, you can definitely see that. You think it's what, just over a month ago, it was a 5-1 home defeat for Fulham. Things have really turned around since then. Um, can't say the same about Derby though, can we though, Adrian? This, this almost feels like a terminal result for them.
3: Yeah, they've just, they've stalled, haven't they, Derby? They, the door has been open for them with, with Reading being, you know, up and down, more down than up. but But they just haven't been able to replicate some of their early season results or performances. They were incredibly unlucky with the penalty shout, weren't they? I mean, that's a shocker. Um, and, it, and Wayne Rooney was right, wasn't he? I mean, Wayne Rooney's getting bigger and bigger, isn't he? Every interview <laughs> I see him post-match, I know you shouldn't really say that, but he's, he is expanding rapidly. Um, and But I could understand why he was sort of so red with rage, because that was such an obvious penalty. Um, the foul from Cabango, he had a great view. So so yeah they were unfortunate there and that's that could be a very costly decision i don't think it will matter in the grand scheme of things i think they'll probably be more than a point away but yeah it's um it's not looking great And on, on pierrot very early on in the season it might have been his first goal of first couple of goals where i remember saying this guy looks like he can finish he, he it, effortless with that left foot isn't he really difficult chances he makes look really easy so what what a signing i mean it's a win-win really because if he stays it's brilliant and 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 he can continue to contribute and if they sell him, they'll sell him for a huge profit because he was so cheap. so so yeah what what an acquisition. Good
2: times coming for Swansea next season perhaps Uh, so after that result coupled with Barnsley losing 4-1 at Millwall the relegation picture looks a fair bit clearer a real walloping for Barnsley looking a long way back for them but Millwall still with hopes of gate-crashing the top six so this was big for them Abigail first winning four four points off the playoffs still got plenty to do there haven't they Gary Rowett saying we need to win two more games than a lot of other sides it's it's not going to be straightforward to put it mildly albeit they've got a decent running
4: yeah, they have got an incredibly decent run-in. They've got Preston, Hull, Birmingham, Posh and Bournemouth. But they don't make things easy for themselves, do they? It's like wading through treacle watching them try to make it into the playoff places. But yeah, Gary Rowett is someone who's always impressed me. I was actually a runner at Sky when he used to come in to do soccer specials. And I would just sit there, tee him up and let him talk about football <laughs> because it really is a glorious thing just listening to his tactical insights. So... Yeah, you know, they're capable of putting in those resolute performances. They can dig deep, they can grind out a point and then they can do what they did on Saturday and look, you know, so good in the final third. So they do have that bit of versatility, but yeah, they've they've made things really difficult for themselves. And their performance against Swansea in midweek was so disappointing and so far from, from what we're used to seeing from them this season. Um, but yeah, Rowett's another man who I think is a fantastic man-manager and gets the best out of this group of players. And that's shown with um, McNamara this season. I know he got the the two goals, but for me, he's been the standout player for Millwall this season. He's come on leaps and bounds and watching him down that right-hand side, it's a joy. And the one thing missing from his game was the goals. And you'd never think that they're his first two goals in the EFL, the positions he was getting himself into. So yeah, I think he is one of the brightest stars in the EFL for me.
2: Uh, that it for Barnsley. Adrian, do you think? I know they've got this game in hand, but they, they just don't look like a side capable of picking up enough points from from their remaining fixtures.
3: They don't, do they? And yeah, they were swept aside by, by Millwall. Couldn't really handle them. Um, it's just not quite solid enough at the back. I think they've had one or two key injuries of late. And, and it was that match against Reading, wasn't it? That was the one. They had to win that. And they got a lucky draw. And and we said after that on the podcast, we said, we could see that Reading were a far more accomplished team than Barnsley. Um, so, so based on that and the form in general, because obviously Reading are only in trouble because of the points deduction, I think Reading do deserve to, to preserve their championship status and, and Barnsley have just, just not quite up to it this season. And I think this result kind of tips them over the edge.
2: All right, we'll uh, have a look at some more of the Championship action after this short break.
3: It's the Paddy Power Football Supporter
0: Support Line, and we've got Simon from Manchester on the line. Yeah, I'm stressed about the potential of a Liverpool City Champions League final, Paddy. Sounds like an epic, Simon. Yeah, but one team's going to come off really badly. Who's that? Milo! Man United! It's not always rewarding being a football fan. But if it's rewards you're after, try Paddy Power's Bet Builder and get money back as a free bet if one leg of your four fold Bet Builder lets you down. Paddy Power! Pre match online Bet Builder bets only. Min odds 1 to 5 per leg. Max free bet £10 per day. 7 day free bet expiry. Excludes enhanced match odds, eligibility restrictions, and T's and C's apply. 18 plus pgambleaware.org. <laughs>
5: you're listening to the totally football league show part of the athletic podcast network if you want to read more football league content from the likes of nancy Frostic, paul taylor phil buckingham peter rutzler and more of the athletics best writers you can do so by heading to theathletic.com athletic.com forward slash league show and get yourself a subscription of just one pound a month for the next six months that's theathletic.com athletic.com forward slash league show
2: Fulham have swept aside all before them this season, all except Coventry, that is. It was 7-2 up on aggregate after the two meetings between the pair this term. This after they won 3-1 at Craven Cottage. Uh, Adrian, I was impressed with Coventry when I saw them at Forest in the week and and they showed their best qualities here, didn't they? I wonder if that's because they feel a bit freer from from a playoff push now being unlikely and this being a shot to nothing or is it because they knew that they'd already done Fulham over once this season or were Fulham just not at the race? I
3: I just think they're a pretty good side and and they know that they're a pretty good side Coventry and I don't think they're intimidated by anybody Mark Robbins won't won't let them do that if you think about Fulham's, when Fulham have struggled this season it's been when teams get at them because if you sit back against Fulham, they will—they will just destroy you. They'll wipe the floor with you. You've got to go toe to toe and be a bit braver and ask questions of their defence because that's, I don't think their defence is that great. I really don't. Uh, Tosin had a really tough game here. Ream as well made a bad mistake. It was when Fulham lost to Huddersfield, I think, at Craven Cottage. I remember talking about it and Huddersfield did what Coventry did. They, they got in their faces and basically used attack as the best form of defence. And, and this was a really exciting game. Loads of chances at both ends. And, and Coventry came out on, on the right side of it. I'm a huge fan of Jacques Herrers and O'Hare. I think they're great. They, they were terrific in the game. And, and yeah, F- 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 Fulham had 27 shots. But uh, but Coventry deserved the win, so yeah, excellent. And it's probably too late for them for the playoffs, and they're probably not quite good enough this season. Not maybe not a rounded enough side, Coventry. But but they've made great strides, great strides. They should be really proud of of what they've done this season.
2: Uh, what have you made of Fulham? Abby, I I think, you know, they're still going to go up, aren't they, basically? And just looking at their next game away to Derby, Wayne Rooney's probably putting his head in his hands after that result yesterday, thinking, oh no, that's just going to make them twice as keen to come and beat us.
4: Absolutely. And as a Swansea fan, I've certainly been on the end of what Fulham can do and (laughs) Mitrovic in particular. But I think Adrian's spot on and it's, the, it's the same for a lot of possession based sides. If you press them high up the pitch and you don't allow them that time to build from the back, there are mistakes and vulnerabilities in them. And that's how you've, you know, you used to see Tony Pulis' sides, Paul Lambert's sides. They'd always do well against sides that play attractive football. So. I don't know. I, I I can't see Derby getting anything from that game. And I think Fulham could, you know, have their have their tails up and get something. But also the other thing I want to say, when Adrian mentioned Jokeresh there, having seen him before he went to Coventry, I wonder how that is the same player because <laughs> he is accomplishing things that I really didn't think he ever, ever could. He looked like at times that like he'd never stepped on a football pitch before. And now he's just, you know, some of the finishes, absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of watching Coventry. It was interesting to hear after the weekend, you know, about their set piece deliveries and how much Dennis Lawrence was praised for that and the work he's done with them on their set piece routines and, and it's certainly paying off. But yeah, Fulham are still going up. I'm I'm certain of that.
3: Yeah, On um, Fulham, they are brilliant and we've lavished them with praise all season, but I do think that they're not Wolves, you know, when Wolves went up, they were like a really strong team all over the pitch. It feels to me like Fulham are really strong in the final third, but if you can get at them, as I've just been out, outlined, I think you can really hurt them and they would have to improve hugely in the Premier League. And if they didn't, they'd, they'd come straight back down.
2: Mm. Uh, now, remember when Middlesbrough were invincible at home? Well, Chris Wilder does, and he's yearning for those halcyon days after his borough slipped to a second straight Riverside reversal, losing by a goal to nil against lowly Hull. I mean, the, I looked at the Forest game, Adrian, and thought, this is a banana skin. I didn't look at Middlesbrough Hull and, and think the same thing, just because Borough, as I said, was so tremendous at home up until a couple of weeks ago. This is a this is a really bad result for them, I think.
3: Yeah, it's not good at all, but we maybe we should... Shouldn't have been shocked by this. I was looking at the at the numbers and and Hull don't give much away on the travels. We know they've had a really difficult season, but only three teams have let in less on the road than Hull. And you might know who they are. It's Fulham, it's Bournemouth, and it's two-time European champions, Nottingham Forest. So um, so they're, they're they're solid, and 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 they showed that in the game against Middlesbrough um yeah caught them on caught them on an off day really this should have been a goalless draw and and the goal the goalkeeper has to has to save the shot from lewis potter i, mean, I really love lewis potter he's a great great young player he's definitely going to play in the premier league soon but yeah, poor Lumley's made a few of these mistakes. We've said it so often on the pod that he is a bit of a weak link in that team, and unfortunately for him, I don't know if you caught Chris Wilder's quotes afterwards. He didn't, he didn't back him up, did he? He was, um, I've protected Joe quite a lot this season, but I can't do that anymore. He's got to do better. Blah 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 blah. So uh, poor Joe Lumley. If he keeps his place between now and the end of the season, great. But beyond that, I don't think he will.
4: But I don't know what he was thinking. Was he expecting a deflection? Was he anticipating that there was going to be a deflection? But then you look silly if you do what he did. But you also look silly if you do move and it does take a deflection. So, yeah, it, it was awful, but I do kind of have a little bit of sympathy, especially, as you said, when Wilder, he tried he tried so hard to be sympathetic, but kind of just had to say, look, <laughs> if I protect him on this one, I have to protect him with whatever he does in life.
3: Yeah. The, the other thing to point out on Borough is Isaiah Jones has been missing the last couple of games and we know how good he's been. Poor man's what happened bench. was they put Tavernier as right wing back and he's a really good player, but he's, he's also a really good midfielder. So what they did, it, they weakened the midfield by taking him out of there. And then they put him on the wing and he's left footed really playing on the right. So again, he wants to come inside. So that's two, two areas of the pitch where Middlesbrough have been great this season, mucked up a little bit. By, by virtue of, of what they did. So I, I think that had an impact on their on their flow as a team.
2: Uh, Hole-wise, you might have heard some rumours last week linking Mesut Erzil with a move to Humber side. Apparently, according to The Athletic at least, uh, that is not a goer for the time being. Uh, now, Abby was reporting on Stoke's 3 1 win at West Brom for Quest. Uh, very much enjoyed the Stranglers reference, I've got to say. Uh, result might just do for the Baggies' playoff hopes, but one which eases a bit of the pressure on Michael O'Neill. As you saw, Abby, it was a good win for Stoke, but I mean, these are two of the biggest underachievers in the Championship this season, basically, aren't they?
4: Absolutely. As I said on Saturday, you know, inconsistency has been the story of the season for both of them because not long ago they had their sights set on a return to the Premier League. Stokes acquisitions during the January transfer window, you know, Josh Madger comes in. But for me, Lewis Baker is one of the best signings of the window. Um, You know, I've watched them with and without him in the side and the difference he makes bringing others into play. He holds the ball up well. The runs he makes off the ball, which we saw on Saturday, he's been fantastic. But they just are one of those sides that you watch them too many times this season and they're so underwhelming. You know, you see West Brom and they've got their problems and, you know, they can go away and put in a, 2-1, a 2-0 one, two win over Bournemouth and then struggle against... Birmingham and Stoke but with Stoke you see so much exciting you know they've got the Welsh Xavi in their side they've got Joe Allen and they're still not even able to make him exciting but yeah they've got so many good individuals but you do worry And, and defensively they've got so many vulnerabilities in there you just feel like there are quite there are individuals who can perform together but they're just not quite matching up on the pitch.
2: Uh, Steve Bruce said, simply not good enough. And if we're being honest, we were never anywhere near it. It was our third game in six days. I toyed with changing, even though we won in midweek. I thought we looked jaded. We didn't have the spark we had in the week. I don't want to make excuses. He's kind of making excuses there anyway, isn't he? Do you reckon he'll be there next season, Clarkie, Steve Bruce? Uh,
3: Yeah, why not? Till
2: October. (laughs) Yeah,
3: exactly. He has got previous. He has got teams up, hasn't he? So what he needs to be is ruthless. And, and have that clear out that the club needs and and start again. It's, it's like, it kind of feels like, I mean, we've thought this before probably with Steve Bruce, but for, for managers of his generation, and he's not that old, but he feels old, doesn't he, in the EFL terms. Everyone everyone that seems to be getting jobs now are in their 30s. They're like developers. They're either people that have been involved in youth coaching that have come out of the FA or wherever, um, or they're, recently retired players that have got new ideas. Steve, Steve Bruce is kind of like a dying breed and he needs to deliver results quickly. Otherwise, he'll be written off as... I don't want to call him a dinosaur because he's not. But he'll be written off as one because that's the sort of mood among chairman and owners around the EFL, it feels anyway. So, yeah, I think it's a really important few months that lie ahead for Steve Bruce. I would definitely stick with him. And 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 see how they go next season because he he has you know he's got he's got teams up before.
2: He's got to work out a way to get Daryl D K back in there uh, as and when he gets fit. That'll be an interesting one. Uh, right, it's high time we heard from the other Abbey in our lives. Producer Abbey's going to give us some odds on the Championship promotion picture. Courtesy of Paddy Bell.
5: Don't
4: know how I feel about the other
5: Abbey. Uh,
2: Another Abbey, the main <laughs> Abbey. I
4: I think the main abbey I felt like a bit of a thief there
5: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll go to the uh, promotion then And Matt Music to your ears Top two promotion odds Forest five to one You placing that bet? Uh,
2: May already have done so No (laughs) definitely not (laughs) (laughs)
5: <laughs> Bournemouth though are 10-1 to 1 on for that so still very much the favourites to uh, join Fulham in the top two if you're not feeling too confident about that then we've got the top six where Forrester 33-1 to 1 on um, we've got both Huddersfield and Sheffield United at 9-2 on we were talking about Millwall earlier they are 17-2 and uh, here's a sign of how far QPR have fallen they're on the same odds as Swansea to finish in the top six 40-1 to <laughs>
2: Blimey Wow! Thanks, producer Abby, aka the boss, aka the biggest influence on my life. Thank you. And career. Um, We will head to League One next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer
0: sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to michelobultra.com you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
5: This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams.
2: In League One, crew are relegated after a limp defeat against fellow strugglers, Doncaster. Wigan, three points clear at the top after they won. MK Dons drew and Rotherham lost. A late winner moved Sunderland into the final playoff place, though they're locked on 73 points with fifth Sheffield Wednesday and seventh Wickham. And we had the joy of an outfield player going in goal. It was Fleetwood's Callum Camps after Alex Cairns had a bit of a brain fade. Uh, that's it for Crew Alexandra then. The Railwaymen, relegated from League One on Saturday after a 15th defeat in their last 16 games. Came at fellow strugglers, Doncaster, 2-0 the score there. Uh, Dave Artel, the crew boss, says, I'm number one in the firing line as responsibility travels upwards and the fact that none of the fans were having a go at any of the players shows the good job I do at protecting the lads. I'm going to go on until somebody tells me otherwise. We've rebuilt once and we'll do it again. Uh the the Consensus seems to be that he will get the opportunity to do that rebuilding, but I've seen this described by people who know a lot more about crew than we do as as one of the worst seasons in the club's history. I mean, to be relegated before the Easter eggs are cracked is is pretty poor stuff.
3: Yeah, it's not great. Not great at all. It's a funny one, isn't it? Because it's been largely good work from Martel up until this season. So do you do you write him off on the basis of one bad year or, or do you look at what, what he's produced previously? In football, of course, what's gone before very rarely counts for anything, does it? But what I would say is that he had the rug pulled from beneath his feet, really. Not, not because the club were out of order, just because their players were so good under him before that they attracted... Other clubs, Perry NG, Harry Pickering, Owen Dale, Charlie Kirk, Ryan Wintle. These are really good players, shining at a higher level, a lot of them. And they went, and, and the people that, that came in just weren't of the same level. I saw this at South Southend. You know, they sold all their best players and brought in bargain bucket people in the hope that they would be just as good. They ended up out of the league. it. You get what you pay for most of the time, and uh, yeah, they, their squad has been really depleted this year. Um, I looked at the, the recruitment, the players that they brought in, and there's, barely, there's not really a success. Two of the players they brought in on freeze last summer left in January, so I mean that, that that's not a ringing endorsement. Uh, and and the other the other thing that really stands out with Crew is maybe a lack of steel and spine. We know that they can score goals, we know that they play good football, but a bit weak, a little bit weak, and uh, and they don't come back from deficits. Uh, Crewe have conceded the first goal in 30 of 42 matches, which is a lot, and they've picked up five points from those games. So one win, two draws, and 27 defeats. So if you get the first goal against Crewe, you're in business, and, and that's what Doncaster did here, and... Yeah, that yeah, they didn't deserve to stay up, but but I, I'm torn on it. Crew fans will know better than any of us. They watch them ninety minutes e- e- each week. Uh, they're they're probably a better judge than, than we are in this situation.
2: Yeah, those stats give me one last chance to roll out the old not so solid crew pun. I'll do that swiftly and move on. Uh, on Thursday's show, Robin Cowan called Oxford's game with Sunderland a must-win for the use and their promotion hopes didn't happen though. In fact it was the Black Cats who left with all three points next to Elliot Embleton's last minute winner. Um Abby what where are you with Sunderland at the moment because you know it kind of changes weekly doesn't it such is the nature of the club but it definitely feels like this is an Alex Neil team now.
4: Yeah absolutely you know they're playing with different systems they can play with a 3 or a 4 at the back and the thing with Alex Neil he's he's asking different things from his players you know he's playing them out of position sometimes, but they're so committed to the challenge now and I think they are fighting for him you know when you, you see them a few months back and they'd completely lost their way. They're now a solid unit. I think it's fair to say again. And they have got that bit of flair. As you said, enjoyable to watch, but I could be contradicting myself next week and saying the complete opposite when they concede four. So yeah, you're not really sure, but I guess that that happens when you're trying to find that stability. It doesn't happen overnight and you do need to experiment with things. So I think it would be unfair to just say, you know, they're, they're a side that are still lost. I think they are finding their way back. It's just... These things do take time, and as fans, we don't want them to take time, but they do. And there are certainly improvements within that side. The players don't look lost on the pitch anymore, and I think that's the biggest compliment we can give after the way that they'd been left.
2: Mm. Um, Clarkey, to to lay people like like Abby and I, we often think mm, loads of late goals. That means that the team are a fit and b unified. Is that a bit simplistic? It does seem to happen nearly every week for Sunderland at the moment.
3: Definitely contributing factors, but I think squad depth matters, doesn't it? And um, Sunderland have got got that compared to the bulk of teams in League One level, because they're a huge club. They've got quality subs, and you've got to use those subs correctly, haven't you? And and I think that's what Alex Neal did in the game. He admitted, didn't he, afterwards that he got his team wrong, he got the shape wrong. And he made some quite dramatic changes during it. He changed the system. He, he took off forward players for defensive players and it helped them win the game, which goes to show that it's not just about sticking five people up front uh, when, when you're chasing a goal. So, yeah, it was a good good day for Alex Neil, really, uh, again, in terms of what he did during the match. And I think that is the sign of a really good coach, someone that can read the game that they're watching, and be able to affect it with their decision making. Too many. There's a lot of managers. Don't want to name too many names, but they 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 sit. They can sit on things too long, and they're not decisive.
4: I think that's one criticism we had of of Steve Cooper when he was at Swansea. You know, he'd leave it until the 85th minute when we were trailing to to make a change, and I think when I read Alex Neal's comments, I thought as a fan, that's exactly what you want someone to take control of it they took the responsibility and to say look I did get it wrong because so often a manager just won't say those simple words and fans will have so much more trust in you if you're willing to come out and say look I got that wrong because nine times out of ten the fans will tell you that they saw it in the in the crowd so if the manager can then come out and just say those words you've got more confidence in him instantly.
2: Uh, I wonder if Wimbledon fans have got a bit more confidence in Mark Bowen. He seems to have provided a bit of an uptick in their performances, if not their results. It was all square in the game. that definitely isn't a derby between they and MK Dons at Plough Lane. Wimbledon were ahead. Troy Parrott levelled up with 10 minutes to go. Um, i be maybe the goal of the weekend that from Troy Parrott, wasn't it? Pretty special.
4: That was absolutely sublime technique. But he's really rediscovering his, his former MK Dons this season as well. And it's fantastic to see eight goals for the club. But his all-round game, him and Scott Twine have been absolutely incredible. So good that they're keeping out Theo Corbianu, who's on loan from Wolves. I watched his debut for MK Dons. That was against Wimbledon in the reverse fixture. And he was so impressive. I thought he was guaranteed to get a starting spot week in, week out. But such has been the form of Troy Parrott and Scott Twine. He's not really getting a look in. And Mo Iser, it has to be said, he's not really getting a look in in the starting 11. And that's that's all down to the work of Parrott. And you, it's so easy to forget that he's still just 20 years old. You know, he needs to be putting in these displays. He is being pushed and he's proven that that he's strong enough to do so.
2: Wimbledon Wise Clark, you look at the you know, Mark Bowen says, Oh, we could we can still do it, but they've won six games all season. The last of those was in December, actual December. But there again, they've got crew are already down. Wickham, that's a really tough game. Fleetwood who are down there with them, and Stanley, who are one of the few teams that they've already beaten this season to finish. So it's not totally out of the question, albeit you're asking a team to, to win games that that to quote Sean Dyche, doesn't know how to win games. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, it's it, it is i think exactly the same way i look at their running and i think i oh, think you get two or three wins there but then when you think they haven't won since christmas time it's it's mad oh, crew are down so gotta win that Accrington are out of form but but they're always worth a few goals aren't they the Wickham one will be tough i i looked at morca morcom have got a horrible running so i think that they could maybe reel them in it's yeah, it's a tough one. I, I think they're showing signs of improvement. They've definitely got more of a. I don't want to say. I don't want to say more of a clear plan because I think they had a plan before under the Robinson. But but, I, I quite like what they're doing. They were competitive in this game. They made life really hard for MK, which not many teams can do. You know that they sort of disrupted their rhythm with their sort of physical physical aspect of their play and yeah if they can just find a way to score goals then then they might sneak in i don't know if you saw this stat that the last team to stay in their respective uh, division in the efl after a run of more than 20 games without a win was halifax in 78 79 and they got (laughs) re-elected they didn't actually stay up so (laughs) history is against them it's it's kind of ridiculous that they've had 24 matches without a win and they still have a shot it it, it's bonkers really um but this is Wimbledon Wimbledon do bonkers things don't they a little bit crazy it would not surprise me if they survived here despite all of that
2: I mean it's a club literally built on defiance isn't it um Let's bring in producer Abby. She can give us the odds on Wimbledon staying up according to Paddy Power.
5: Yeah, so crew, crew, as we've said, are down Doncaster are not even in the odds from Paddy Power. Uh, so Wimbledon are the next most likely to be relegated. They are eleven to four on to be going down. Morecambe nine to four on, uh, and Gillingham um, eight to eleven to be going down. So uh, you know, history might well be against Wimbledon. Paddy Power also seemingly so. <laughs>
2: see who's right. Uh, Right, next we're going to talk crypto. Wait, come back it's football related, honestly. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' Small Town Welsh Football Club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu.
5: This is the Totally Football League Show.
2: Well, it wasn't long after producer Abby hit the send button on last Thursday's pod that cruelly announced that they've been taken over by Wagme United. The Wagme stands for we're all going to make it, by the way. Uh, the first game under the new ownership came on Saturday, resulted in a 1-0 win against Barrow. Joining us now to talk through the baffling world of a crypto takeover is the Athletics man in the know, Joey Derso, who's teamed up with our friend Nancy Frostick to cover this story. Uh, Joey, wag me then, the new owners, it's the same mob who tried and failed to buy Bradford, right? That experience clearly didn't put them off.
1: Yeah, so the whole Bradford thing was a bit of a debacle, to be honest. There were a number of PR missteps and the whole thing sort of imploded pretty quickly. They gave a quite sort of cocky interview to the Washington Post about how they'd taken over Bradford and then there's a dispute between the Bradford chairman whether they actually bid and all this kind of stuff and that fell apart just before Christmas. But then this um, Crawley thing just came out of nowhere. There was no rumours or leaks or anything, just as a... Tweet on Thursday by the club saying we've been taken over by Wagme United. Um so it's, a, you know, it's a very interesting deal. It's 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 a bunch of people, So it, it's not being bought using crypto or Bitcoin or whatever else. It's, it's, it's a bunch of people who have made money through cryptocurrency um buying Crawley Town for about five million pounds. And they want to raise money by selling NFTs, which is the subject of a lot of my work, these non-fungible tokens, cartoon monkeys and the like, um, which I'm pretty skeptical of to be honest, because Liverpool just tried to Do a huge NFT sale and raise less than a million dollars, which sounds like a lot, but Liverpool's commercial budget last year was something like 220 million pounds. So a drop in the ocean, really. And, you know, with all due respect to Crawley, they're probably not going to sell as many um, as Liverpool. So I don't quite see um, how it's all going to work, but, you know, they've bought the club, they're ambitious. And I went down there on Friday and I um, met Mr. John Yems, the very charismatic manager of Crawley Town. And, you know, they're all quite excited there because. You know, it's a club that have really come through the divisions. They're a bit stagnant in the mid-table of League Two now and they think they can you know, fire their way to promotions with crypto. Given that it is such an,
2: an interesting story and, and really a significant moment in in football, I think, were you surprised that it wasn't exactly a packed press conference that you attended?
1: Yeah, it was just me and two other guys from the local paper. Um, yeah, well, I suppose... I think there'll be a press conference in about a month with the American investors, which might be a bit of a bigger deal. But yeah, it was just me... Uh, the general manager of the club and the manager John Yams, and it was in the um, changing rooms of of the of the ground, so it was all quite low key. But you know, it's quite uh, this, as a journalist, it's quite something quite fun about that. You know, you get to ask people real questions and stuff, and it's not like the Premier League where everything is sort of. You know, you never get within an inch of a manager or whatever else. Um, but, you know, he was quite hilarious. Yeah, John Yems. I mean, he was just, I, think he's, I asked him a question about NFTs and he replied, what is that? You know, very sincerely. <laughs> um, and I sort of explained it. Uh, he also said, oh, I thought crypto was that thing that killed Superman. Um, but <laughs> he, he definitely says, oh, pre-prepared you know, that one, didn't he? That, uh, yeah, didn't that yeah clearly. Yeah, I think he'd been told that one. But um, And he sort of said, oh, well, you know, do many football managers really know where the money comes from? Uh, which is a bit of a depressing thing to say, but also true, I think, if you look through a lot of EFL clubs, you know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't quite see how this is going to work. Like, Are the people really going to bankroll um, Corley Town to millions with NFTs? Um, well, so on know, that, like, Joey.
3: Yeah, on, on that then. So let's say they don't sell very many NFTs. What's the plan? Are, are they wealthy enough, these individuals, to to keep the club going? long enough um wh- wh- where's the where's the other revenue stream because crawley town not a big club they don't have very many season ticket holders i think it's in the seven hundred i can
1: tell you exactly how many yeah
3: it's it's remarkable so so what what's the plan b if if the nf nfts don't take off
1: well i mean i they're certainly very rich people i mean they're, they're one of the advisors a guy called gary vaynerchuk who's a sort of you know he's got three million followers on twitter he's a big kind of crypto investor and um I think, you know, one of the appeals of a club like Crawley, League Two is with relatively small amounts of money in terms of English football, you can make quite a big difference. Um, They said the Crawley Town wage bill at the moment is £1.3 million. And they employed Statsbomb to crunch numbers who told them that if they up that to 3.3, then they'd have a good chance of promotion. Um, You know, pretty simply, if you pay higher wages, you get better players and you might get promoted. You know, £2 quid in the Premier League will barely get you, you know, a month of someone's wages. Whereas in the FL in League Two, that can make a huge difference. So... I certainly think it's, you know, possible that if they do spend millions of pounds, the team will get promoted, but uh, it's this sort of, I suppose it's this like, and then what, you know, like if you haven't, if the whole thing is sort of a crypto gimmick, then do people get bored when you get stuck in league one because getting promoted from league one to the championship costs a hell of a lot more than that. Like, let alone the premier league or Europe, you know, and I think people from the cryptocurrency world think about these things where you buy a Dogecoin three years ago, and then it goes to the moon and then you, you know, get really rich. Well, that football doesn't really work like that. Because the higher you get, the more expensive things get. So, um, but you know, these guys, were I, I feel like these guys had a huge PR disaster with Bradford. And now they've kind of learned the lessons and said a lot of the right things. And they sort of, you know, you can vote us out in two years if you want to. And we really we love the local community and all the kind of classic um, clangers they, they managed to avoid. Although they did say that Firstly, that only one team gets promoted from the National League to, the football, to League Two, which is a bit of an error to make if you're buying a League Two club. And secondly, they said, very odd, they said, oh, the problem with the team, they don't have enough soccer balls, um, so we can just buy them some on Amazon. That doesn't really make sense to me. Like, if you're paying 1.3 million in wages, you can surely f- afford some soccer balls. Um, so I'm not quite sure where that's come from. Um, but yeah, it's all a bit kind of, you know, a bit Wild West.
4: And another one on that, I read a quote saying that the goal is to increase the fan base by changing some of the branding and culture and moving it towards people who are super into NFTs. Have the club said anything about ensuring that the fundamentals aren't ripped up and torn apart? Because I'm Pretty sure there'll be some quite worried Crawley fans at the moment as well.
1: There are, and I've spoken to some of them. I mean, yeah, as you as you previously said, I mean, Crawley don't have a huge fan base, and before 2011 they weren't in the Football League, so 700 season ticket holders, which is pretty tiny for the Football League. Like Bradford has way more than that, and obviously a very rich, long history. So I think it's 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 less less drama than taking over a team like Bradford, basically, which is quite possibly one of the reasons why they did it. As I said in the press conference, they kind of said all the right things about the community and the fans and whatever else, but um you know my question you might get people interested in as a sort of gimmick in the sort of crypto team of the efl but is that really going to sustain like you know maybe there would be maybe there could be some dramatic promotion which you can probably get from Lee to for a relatively small sum of money but then what happens after that does everyone just get bored and move on to something else i mean i don't see how you can sustain that in the long term basically but you know who knows weirder things have happened
4: as someone who's Incredibly conscious of the impact that cryptocurrencies have on the environment, has there been an official word on that? Because you know, as you see the work that clubs like Forest Green Rovers are doing to try and make football more sustainable, this seems like quite a backwards move.
1: Well, you're absolutely right, and no, there was nothing on that. I mean, yeah, absolutely, NFTs are bad for the environment. Most of them are on the Ethereum blockchain, which um, the kind of advocates of these stuff has been saying for years. We're going to move on to there's a lot of jargon here, but proof of stake versus proof of work, you know, more environmentally friendly platform, but it's not happened because I think it's technologically very difficult. And we did a story about um, Liverpool's NFT release and how they they basically marketed it as really environmentally friendly. But actually, when you really bury down to the details, it's tacked onto the Ethereum blockchain, which basically means it's it's environmentally bad. I mean, this stuff is essentially it's doing computer calculations, um, you know, which you need to if people are new to this topic, you know, blockchain technology cryptocurrency, you have to do really extensive computer calculations, which obviously requires um, ultimately burning carbon. And people have tried to find ways around that. But basically, it is bad for the environment. And you, you can make that you can make it less so but the the premise the basis of it requires huge computational power. So it does clash with lots of stuff, you know, and, and in the Premier League, there's loads now about sustainability and not driving to games and all sorts. Yeah, it's a pretty awkward situation. I mean, yeah, it's unavoidable.
2: We'll see if it's bad for Crawley in the long run. Uh, Joey, thanks so much for joining us today. You've gone some way to, to making us feel like we understand it a Keep little loving bit. Loving me. Producer Abby can give us some odds on League Two. Uh, not crypto related, though, I don't think.
5: No, Crawley are not featuring in any of these. And we're looking at the uh, to be promoted section of the Paddy Power website. Uh, obviously, FGR are not in there. They are very much in Paddy's eyes. Up, Exeter, then the next favourites to be promoted. They are twenty-five to one on. Uh, and Port Vale, fresh off their big win against uh, Oldham, uh, they are fifteen to eight on to be promoted. And of course, Matt's Mansfield. Is that is Can I call it that? Should I call it that? Yes, uh, please. They are eight to eleven to be promoted. As for the relegation, uh, whilst and Scunthorpe, but not yet mathematically down. They are not in the uh, relegation odds uh, Oldham next favourites at 4-6 Phil Brown's Barrow 15-8 and Stevenage round off the relegation odds at 11-4
2: You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app it's over 18s only Prices are accurate at the time of recording Be gamble aware and T's and C's apply <laughs> All right. Before we go, after Hull announced that they will be taking 500 supporters on an all-expenses-paid summer holiday to Turkey, five stars apparently, uh, it leads me to ask, who in the EFL would you most or least like to go on holiday with, Adrian? If you don't say Steve Evans, I will be shocked.
3: It's a, no, it's a tap in to say that. Him or <laughs> Joe Barton? I can't go. I can't go there. I think out of managers. I would like to go on holiday with Gareth Ainsworth. I think if there's fun to be had or entertainment, he will find it. And I think he will make it as well because he's a fun guy, isn't he? And he he loves a sing song and I think he would be great value. He'd also make me feel much better about my what I've got in my suitcase because we know that he doesn't have much clobber. We know he's just got the one shirt, the one jacket. It would make me feel feel a lot better myself going away with Gareth. The one I wouldn't want to go away with is Nigel Pearson because he, he gets into these dodgy... Well, A, he's a bit uncomfortable around journalists, so conversation could get a bit awkward. Um, but he also goes to... He likes a bit of danger, doesn't he? We all know, know the story about the wolves, when, when he fought off the pack of wolves by backing off towards a hedge and apparently he gorged one of their eyes out and broke another's jaw. I mean, I don't know how we can verify that, but um, yeah, that wouldn't be for me. Nigel. So, yeah, I I would swerve that.
2: There's plenty of Bristol City fans who agree with you. Um, Abby, (laughs) what have you got for this one?
4: So, I'm going for a saga cruise with Neil Warnock as the one that I actually want to go on. But Uh we're going to stop off at all of the clubs he's managed. Now, how we're going to get that to Notts (laughs) County, I don't know. Haven't figured out that yet. But it would be so much fun because he'd probably have an issue with every official and manager on board. There'd be so much drama. But also the stories would be impeccable. Um, And away from the managerial situation, he's such a gentleman, which you just wouldn't expect. He's such a nice man. So yeah, I'd go with Neil Warnock and then... The one that I wouldn't want to do, and bear with me on this one, a flight with Tawny Pulis, but to save fuel, Rory Delep just throws the plane to the destination. (laughs) So there'd be a lot of turbulence, but the flight would go on forever and ever and ever until it was knocked in at the near post. So, yeah, that's the one I wouldn't want to do.
2: That is sensational. Um, I would not like to go anywhere with Alex Neal because as regular listeners will know, I'm terrified of him. So why would I want to go on holiday with a man? who I'm scared of but I would absolutely want to go on holiday to Chile with Ben Brereton Diaz can you imagine just strolling around Santiago with, with the king of the uh, of the country you'd have an amazing time
3: you'd with never fabulous. have to you never have to buy a drink or, or queue to go in a nightclub and we all know you're a big clubber Matt so oh yeah
2: yeah absolutely love the clubs um, all the clubs uh, right that'll just about do it for today Abigail thanks so much for joining us been great to have you on
4: thank you for having me
2: Clarkie, you'll be back with us short, uh, shortly, no doubt.
3: Yeah, no, great to be on. Top debut, Abigail. Excellent Thank work. You very much.
2: Good stuff. We will be back on Thursday when we are looking ahead to all the big games coming up this weekend. Do join us for that if you can. Until then, from all of us here, it's goodbye.
5: You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production.
4: The Athletic.